0: This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com thecitadelcafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is The Citadel Cafe, episode number 420 for Thursday, October 28th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan and The Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week is the very geeky Alistair McFly. You can find him at imcfly on all the social media that matters. Welcome back, my friend. Oh, good to be back. And you are fresh on the heels of a vacation and I am jealous uh, but I'm going to live vicariously. How did it go? <laughs> oh, it was absolutely
1: phenomenal. Um, so I, I went to Cape Breton mm-hmm. and went on the, the Cabot Trail. And it is absolutely gorgeous. I was, I was recommended, because we spoke about this last time I was on. Yes. And I was recommended to go in autumn, or the fall, as it's known here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was told that like, the, the colors were just neon and that is accurate that is astonishingly accurate i've don't think i've seen colors like that in uh, in the autumn quite before but yeah it was it was spectacular uh, it's and driving around as well it's probably one of the most enjoyable drives i've ever had so in a way i'm kind of glad that i've waited until i've had a vehicle uh, to do that
0: i hear it's a really nice drive like i know i know there are some hikes and stuff but i i know just just the drive alone um, my grandparents used to do it just like and they did they weren't hikers they wouldn't they didn't get out of the car they would just go for a nice drive and to see the colors you know
1: yeah it's it's like driving through candy i think is the yeah the best way to describe it it's just
0: gotta love the old maple trees around here eh? like the, the they really oh, yeah. do change into bright colors uh, a couple of my neighbors i'm not sure what the name of them is but they're low shrubs like they're maybe four foot tall uh, they have them on, along their front walk, and they are bright red, like candy cane red, right now.
1: And there was a a bridge that takes you over, basically, to the island. I, I didn't realize it was completely cut off, but it is like it's it is a full separate island from the rest of Nova Scotia. Oh yeah, and it's like the second you go over that bridge, all the colors change, and just the reds of those trees, as you were saying, like it's just more vibrant than anything that i've seen elsewhere
0: was it predominantly red or was it did it have yellow and oranges going on too
1: oh yeah you had greens yellows oranges reds the whole the whole spectrum really that's quite no blue but uh, i mean i <laughs> accounted for that
0: we <laughs> not on an alien planet you know no tentacles no. in the air no you know <laughs> nothing like that um did you did you hit any hikes did you go because you and i've hiked together before
1: Yes, yes, and I I had a friend come with me as well, Um, so Hannah came with me, and we went to a few different places. We saw a couple of waterfalls, one of them far more spectacular than others, Uh, but yeah, there there were some really good hikes there. We went to the Fortress of Lewisburg, which is a big national historic Mm -hmm. site. We walked around there for a bit. Um, We went onto the Skyline Trail up in the Cape Breton Highlands National Park. Mm -hmm. That was phenomenal, just some astonishing views um we also kind of went to uh, a place that had one of the waterfalls called uh, egypt falls okay i don't know what's egyptian about it but mm. that that was really good there, there was one trail that we went on which was to try and find uh, a waterfall and It was more of a stream than anything, but it was a really long walk. And the elevation takes it out of you. Like it's a really steep elevation and it's not until we got up really high. I think it was like 280 meters or something. Um, and we were struggling. Like properly out of breath, and it's like, why is this so difficult? How unfit am I? <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as you turn around, and you start walking down. It's not just downhill is easier; it's like breathing becomes easier. It's like, oh wow, this is this is really noticeable uh, in a way that I didn't really expect it to be. How high was um, the
0: the meter change? I th- I
1: think it was. I'm trying to remember. Um, I remember looking at my watch and it had the the elevation gain there. It was either it was either one hundred and eighty or two hundred and eighty. It was something like that.
0: Meters, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, you're getting close to a thousand feet there, at yeah. that point. You're like that's that's a significant change when you're used to you know you and I live at sea level for all intensive purposes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. um I experienced that when I was in Utah, uh, for the very first time. Uh, I didn't do hiking my first trip there, but uh, the first time I was there, the resort that I stayed at was a ski resort, but the ski resort itself is in the mountain. And so you'd be walking around the convention center uh, for, I was a podcasting um, convention called Nurtacular, and you'd be walking throughout the hotel. Most of it's elevators, but when you're on the main floor, there's a, a number of stairs that go like down to the canteen area or down to the multipurpose facilities. And the, the breakfast buffet was downstairs and you could elevator, but it's faster just to take a couple of flights of stairs. But the base elevation is 11,000, is 10,000 feet? I think it's 10,000 feet uh or maybe that's base elevation is around eight or nine i think the peak of the mountain is around 11 for like skiing and stuff like that what? so being ten thousand feet above sea level for a maritimer i would get winded taking the stairs like i'm not talking <laughs> to, i'm not talking to, i'm not talking a hike i'm talking two flights of stairs <laughs> You're yep. just, and you're like whoa what just happened you know um yeah. i noticed it a lot in in my hikes in in Utah as well, when I was hiking, because uh, it was one, it was hotter than Hades, right? So like it was 104 degrees. Uh, now sometimes it wasn't so bad because the base elevation in in the low desert was like maybe 5,000. Like it wasn't a lot. It's still higher than home, but it wasn't a lot compared to some of the higher desert elevations. The trip there I found was you'd be driving to a park, and you'd realize okay well this park is pretty high i guess at some point i'm gonna to have to start going uphill and it's not like there's a gradual shift uh you'd end up driving up very steep winding roads to get to this new national park that you hadn't been to and mm. so i don't remember the trip to to the highlands in cape breton lake is it dramatic on the road as much as it is to hike
1: oh yeah yeah it's like especially when you're going through that national park um you're you're basically driving on roads around the mountains and so you're getting astonishing views there in in a way it's almost a shame being the driver because there's mm. no way to just stop and take photos of everything because everything you're looking through it's just i'm just in awe of just like the sheer rock faces and on your left and then the views to your right and and stuff as you're yeah. going around but yeah it is it is probably the funnest drive i've ever had period
0: nice that's great man i'm glad that you really enjoyed it we um i don't i don't get out as often but i i certainly am quick to to brag about the country you know like we live in a really mm-hmm. pretty part of the world um nova scotia especially um uh, being yeah um picturesque in late summer early fall uh it's great now ask me again in january february <laughs> and uh um, <laughs> while it can be pretty it's less than hospitable um but hmm. until then like you know right now actually right now we're getting pretty typical fall weather uh it's been raining sideways for like three days um but um when it's nice out i i really like the fall do you um yeah did you uh did you have any like look-offs and stops along the drive or did you have to drive the whole like were there any places to like pull over oh yeah yeah there was quite a
1: few there's um in fact there was sometimes when we were just both marveling at just how great everything was and then suddenly there was one point when Hannah was like oh my god I was like okay well we're pulling off here whatever it is we need to see it um (laughs) I'm so glad she just uh, exclaimed with such joy because we just saw this incredible we were going over a bridge and just saw this incredible river that just went down under it and we were able to just stop off and just sit there and just just soak it all in um It was, yeah. So there were times where we would just kind of pull over and things. Uh, It was really handy having her in the passenger seat as well because I realized how reliant I've become on GPS. And there's not much signal out there. And I'm glad we. (laughs) I am so glad we picked up a map because there were suddenly points where we went there where we had no signal. And so there'd be nothing. And there'd have been no way had we not even picked up a map to even figure out where we were. And. On the way back was always hilarious you know, when we turned around because we could always tell when we were about to lose service because we were streaming music as well. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't download anything because the Wi-Fi at the hotel didn't actually work. It worked one night of the entire time we were there. Otherwise, we had no Wi-Fi either. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew we were going to come up to it when suddenly the GPS map would turn to graph paper. Just as you're kind of appearing to the graph paper where it basically hadn't loaded the
0: maps in on our way there the way back we're like yeah we're about to lose signal again i have to say i lost signal sometimes when i was hiking in parks but i did Mm. not lose any uh cell signal when i was on the highways and at any point in utah Uh, i Mm. had i had gps the whole way and that would have been through google maps or apple maps whatever i whatever i happened to be using at the time Uh, i think it was google maps only because i was more familiar with with the interface um but mm-hmm. uh, I just spent the fifty dollars for wh- however long I was going to be there, um, ten days or something like that, and just paid for extra data. At the time, my data package sucked, and I would have been roaming anyway in the U.S. But oh, yeah, the coverage the there is the coverage there is pretty is pretty good. Well, you know what? I looked at it like you know, it was fifty dollars a week for like ten plus days, and I thought, you know what, a hundred bucks to have cell service connectivity and um, safety when I'm driving by myself, you know, I'll just, oh, yeah. that's just part of the travel expense. You know, um, mm. most of what I was doing in terms of my entertainment was hiking, which was either free or a nominal park fee, you know, 10 bucks or 20 bucks for as long as you're going to be in the park for that day. And you could, or the next, you know, um, actually, no, that's a lie. Only the state parks cost money. I bought a park pass that was like, and that was good for all the parks as often as you want for the entire summer and I was like well I'm only here for 10 days but even then it's still cheaper because everything else was like $25 entrance fee so if you're going to more than three parks just get the pass right and I went to like six parks so it was great you do you do get used to the connectivity for sure
1: yeah I can't remember how much it was for the Cape Burton National Park I think it was it was something like only something like eight to fifteen dollars somewhere in that ballpark it right not much
0: yeah well there's more government funding in canada
1: <laughs> yeah like, okay
0: <laughs> but yeah I, th- I think they gave you kind
1: of like uh i want to say like 32 hours basically you kind of got out of that so there's enough of you were staying overnight kind of thing and camping out there plus they know that you're there so if uh, if anything happened and they found a car abandoned at least it gives them an idea as to how many people are, are around and stuff which is good
0: Well, I don't have a lot new to report because I've been very busy with something I'm going to be talking about later on in the show. We do, however, have a listener email from Jordan, and the subject is Dune, the new film, with no spoilers for people that are concerned about it because this only just came out recently. Hello, Joel and Alistair. I recently watched the new movie Dune on HBO Max. It was one of my favorite movies that I've watched this year. It seems on par with movie series like Pirates of the Caribbean and The Hobbit. There's supposed to be a sequel, I think, and it is inevitable with the amount of good reviews the movie has gotten. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I have a book recommendation, The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. It's one of the best fiction novels that I have the pleasure of reading. Thanks so much for the amazing podcast, Jordan. Thanks for the great recommendation, Jordan. I've heard of The Name of the Wind, Uh, of course. I feel like that's been in circles in my fantasy and sci-fi book discussions. I've never read it but I've heard really good things. I know a number of my friends have read it. I haven't seen Dune yet, but it's on my list. Um, The original Mm. film, uh, which was in the 80s, I think, if not 70s, uh, was one of the most um, interesting and unique experiences that I had as a young man for sci-fi outside of Star Wars and Star Trek. I don't think I had watched much Star Trek at that point, but I had certainly seen Star Wars and so getting to see something that was completely unique and not just derivative you know of of that was really really cool uh and it led me actually into playing a lot of the 90s real-time strategy game dune uh and if yeah. i remember rocket tanks for the win pretty sure that was how you toasted most people <laughs> in that game um <laughs> but yeah it was yeah. it was pretty cool uh i i think uh and we're going to talk a little bit about this in, in, a, in a minute because of uh star trek news but uh i think in november I might take the plunge of putting my Netflix subscription on hold for a month or two mm. uh, and uh, resubscribe to Crave here in Canada, which is how you also stream HBO uh, as as well. Uh, unless that's changed and we have HBO Max access now. I, I haven't checked actually.
1: No, they, they, I just logged on last night to Crave and I haven't had a chance to look into it yet, but they had an announcement um, page that came up saying that that all of the features of Crave will be available for all subscriptions. So I think that now HBO will be included as just the regular Crave subscription rather than it being an additional add-on to yeah, it. Yeah, because
0: it was it was ten bucks, I think. I can't remember. Yeah, so what ten it was. bucks for Crave plus
1: ten bucks for the HBO add on. Right. Um yeah. and I think it's they're just including everything in all at yeah. once now.
0: And I'm paying that for Netflix right now because I pay for the Dolby Atmos slash 4k versions of some of the content so which is worth it when you have a brand new tv um oh, yeah. so i you know i i pay it's not quite twenty dollars it's like 18.99 or something when, once you put tax on it it comes to 22 something so it'll be a one one in one out kind of switch but the reason why i want to do that is because of dune uh a couple of other hbo things that i don't remember right now i just kind of like made a list say okay there seems to be enough of a pile now Uh, that I can go and and watch that. There's also a few things on HBO that I've just never finished, like Westwood. Um, There's uh, other things that, you know, would be worth going and checking out on HBO. Um, Usually there's a lot of like content there that I haven't seen in a while or or haven't seen, you know, at all. And I find that um, Craven HBO don't have enough content for me. That's my type of content to have a ongoing subscription, but uh a couple times a year I'll jump in for a month and be like, "Oh, I'm going to go watch this because uh I'll have, you know, like Discovery is coming out um yeah. the 18th of November is the next season of Discovery and I haven't finished. I've barely even started season 3. So, I'll have a few weeks to get into that. Uh, and right now, honestly, um, the biggest hangup I have with streaming is trying to decide what to watch. I won't get into the list, but I have mm-hmm. started and discontinued like a dozen things in the last two weeks, like starting to try a movie sucks um, or watch a movie that I think I've seen before, but it's been 10 years, get a few minutes into it, get 20 minutes into it and just never get back to it. Uh, try a new series. And then that starts to suck. You know, you're just like, ugh, I just, I can't. You know, I was watching Yellowstone for a while on Amazon Prime, and the first season or two of that's pretty good. It's a lot of like rich people behaving badly, um, which isn't my cup of tea. And there was like a hero in it, like there was somebody that was good natured. But then that changed. And they started spending all this time on these secondary characters that I don't give two shits about. And i was just like, no, okay. I can't like, I, I find it so hard for series to maintain like a decent momentum. And at least when I was watching discovery, I think at the time it must have been either like pandemic stress. It might've been just finances, tighten things up and, and wanting to, um, like switch over to a different system or a different service, you know? So I, I canceled crave and then moved on to something else. Um, Mm. Uh, it might've been Disney Plus. Like, I don't remember what it was. It could have been that. Like, it could have been like The Mandalorian came out before I finished Discovery. And I was like, all right, well, I'm watching The Mandalorian. Um, so so stuff like that. And I have to say, I'm still watching The Bad Batch and I'm still enjoying The Bad Batch. I just, for whatever reason, don't think to turn it on. Like, I don't think to play an episode. I, I go to other services very often before I go to Disney. I find with Disney Plus... Even with the addition of Star under their banner, I don't go there browsing. I go there when I know there's something there that I want to watch, you know, like when The Mandalorian starts or when there's a Marvel series that's ongoing that I want to watch. I'll remember, oh yes, I want to watch that and I'll load up that specific show on Disney Plus. But on Netflix, it's just like, I don't know what I'm in the mood for. I'll check my list and see what's up and then I'll try to find some things and like ultimately... I just I'm not really sure about it. So it's what? sorry. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, my my experience when I used to have Netflix was that my evening wouldn't be spent watching things. It would just be browsing mm-hmm. through what I don't want to watch.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just be a lot of indecision and a lot of eh, maybe no, maybe what what's on this one? Oh, let's try a different genre. And oh, let's have a and and I I would just never actually get around to watching anything. Yeah, I, um, I could watch an entire movie in the time that I spent just browsing for something have you seen dune um i have not yet no that is definitely on on my list to watch um i and i i did watch the original movie and i cannot remember much of it i remember being very excited that patrick stewart was in it Mm -hmm. to sort of see captain picard in another role which i believe was probably the first time i saw him in anything that wasn't star trek uh, at that age but I kind of went the opposite way round to you in that I played Dune 2 on DOS before I knew about the movie. So that's kind of how I went into that there. Um, I do have a, a copy of the book as well, but when I heard they were making a film, I decided, you know what, I'm going to wait for the new one to come out uh, and, and watch that, and then I'll, I'll probably get round to, to the book after, after it, though. I and, like the uh, cast.
0: I mean, Oscar Isaac, yeah. uh, Jason Momoa um shendaya Zendaya, Sh- Sh- i think Zen- Zen- zendaya. Zen- zendaya so wow sorry yeah um yes zendaya i really like her in spider man she's great yeah uh, it's a very strong cast yeah it's <laughs> funny enough like timothy chalamet um i know who he is i don't think i've seen him in anything else mostly because the things that he's in are just not usually my cup of tea so i just yep. don't i don't bother um I mean I could I could say that if it wasn't for Momoa being in Game of Thrones and as Aquaman, I don't think I've seen much of the other things that he's done either. I know you've told me that C is really good. That's on Apple TV Plus, I think.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, that's really good. Um he like my my first introduction to him was through Stargate Atlantis. Oh right. Yeah, he that was where his like first proper big role was. Uh, he was also bizarre, like, if you look for photos of it, it's astonishing seeing what he looked like back then. He was in Baywatch as well.
0: Oh yeah. I've seen those. I've seen the older <laughs> photos. Yeah. 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 Again, he not, not very something very that I would have then. watched anyway, but, but yeah, no, he he's he um, very young.
1: Yeah. But Atlantis was like, where I know him from, whereas I know the majority of people, it was Game of Thrones that was like his real breakout. Yeah. For, was for the majority he, of people
0: in, in Atlantis? Cause again, Stargate is not it's one of those properties. I just never got into, uh, in his role in Stargate, was he a monster, or was he still a skinny, skinny kid?
1: Oh, no, he he was built. Built, yeah, oh, he, okay. he was properly built. Yeah, I, I wonder uh, when.
0: It'd be an interesting interview because people always talk about what he's doing now. Like, uh, he's hmm. always he, he kind of dominates interviews, and people don't generally ask a lot of questions. It's just kind of an interesting conversation because he's such an interesting dude. But mm. I would be curious to actually hear, like, when that shift happened. Like, when did he go from, like, you know, built but, like, swimmer body Baywatch dude to, like, he's a big man. <laughs> he's a monster. Yeah. Um, I'm curious as to when that happens. Because yeah. there's always there's always that funny shift. I mean, like, Chris Evans is a little bit slimmer now than he was when he was Captain America. But before mm. that, he was always, like, the svelte kind of, like, Hollywood slim kind of um, looking guy. But we're you know athletic, but not like big, but then for Captain America, he got really large and and um, some of that has i guess carried over um and then, of course, you've seen um a lot of promo stuff for the workouts that Chris Hemsworth is doing now for Thor love and Thunder, oh, yeah. and he's a big lad when when he puts his mind to it as well it's uh it's pretty cool to see i just because of me getting back into fitness, watching and following a number of. I want to be very careful here. I don't follow fitness influencers, but I follow fitness professionals. So kinesiologists, physiotherapists, um, squat university is actually a really good account. Um, So stuff like that. And so as a result, though, I do see a lot of um, ads and other kind of fitness related things when it comes to, you know, Chris Hemsworth's, you know, workout for, yeah uh, this particular movie or um there's a couple of there's a couple of guys that I follow and they're actually pretty good on on YouTube I think it's called buff dudes I mean it's it, it's <laughs> clickbaity as all hell but uh but mm-hmm. what they do is they they do the research and they see if they can find things like Chris Hemsworth uh workout for Thor Ken, uh, Henry Cavill's workout for Superman and then they do it and they're just like this was hard as hell or like this was amazing or this is actually really good or really interesting workout and they'll explain why and one of the things i thought was really cool specifically about the henry cavill workout that they showcased this was a couple years ago now um was that it really emphasized on power like it wasn't like they were in there sculpting abs and sculpting um you know, shoulders in a specific way with dumbbells and stuff. He did just a lot of like Olympic lifting, like lifting heavy stuff over your head, like Superman is supposed to be able to do. So you look the part. And I thought that's really, it's a really interesting approach. And some of the stuff that I see from, from, um, clips online of, um, Chris Hemsworth is like flipping these like huge tractor tires and like rope pulls. And it's like, it's not, it's not, traditional gym movements per se i'm sure he's doing those too but a lot of the mm. flashier stuff you see is just like moving really heavy awkward things around you know strongman competition stuff
1: yeah brie larson's been doing a lot of that stuff for captain marvel as well oh yeah yeah, yeah. she's she's had some really intense regimes for for all that i th- there were times when i kind of wished that i could go like and do some of this stuff because there's um There are like workout packages that you can get that are from some of their trainers. And I always kind of think like, as good as that would be, it's the diet that I have the problem with. Mm. I like my food and I feel like I'd have to give up food to even get into doing something where you'd have to go all in.
0: Yeah, it's something that I now that i've been back in for about two months and i have been busy in october so i haven't gone nearly as much as i want to i've been working out at home about half the time or more than that i guess but Mm -hmm. um for me nutrition i'm always careful not to think about it like a diet because it's one. the nice thing about training as often as i do is that you can at least eat you know what you want and not be too too worried i mean you can't be completely you know um out of touch but the thing is for me i often i like good food like i don't crave hamburgers all the time like i you know if i have hamburgers three nights in a row i'm gonna feel like i had hamburgers three nights in a row you know so <laughs> i i tend to go for more like chicken and stir fries and vegetables and all that kind of stuff but yeah um yeah. it is nice the thing is like when you are doing those heavy workouts and you're burning like a lot of calories and you're just like Friday night chocolate chip cookies. Uh, yeah, I'm having six because it doesn't matter. Like, I, I've trained all week, and unless I'm on some really strict, you know, goal, then it's just like, well, I just, you can give yourself some treats because I'm like you. I don't, if I don't want to cut things out, I just want to, you know, make sure that the things that I'm still enjoying are guilt free slash like, you know, healthy, you know, um, mm. or part of a healthy ensemble, you know, like for me, the hardest part. Is you know fixing meals alone for that are healthy, you know, because because ultimately you're cooking meals or recipes and they serve like you know three to four servings and you're just like, oh crap, like it's just me. So I end up doing a lot of just like meat and potatoes and vegetables, which is kind of boring after a while. But that's because mm-hmm. you know it's easy to do that for one to two servings. You know, um, the one thing that I cook in batches now, especially with my barbecue this summer, is that I'll do. Uh, my meat like my chicken or fish or you know um ribs or whatever i'm doing i'll cook that all at once on like a sunday or a saturday and then i've got food for three or four days and then i only have to worry about like fixing the sides the day of you know steaming the broccoli and that kind of thing
1: yeah i I always struggle with that um because like when when living alone like you 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 have to either just have everything and eat it all at once or lay it out so that you have enough to last you for so many days. But I always kind of get to a point where I just find that I end up throwing stuff out and I feel like I've wasted stuff.
0: I've run into that a number of times in the last six months. And it makes me wonder whether my fridge is running. I mean, it's running like things are cold, but I'm wondering if it's cold all the time. I'm wondering if it's cold enough. Uh, Mm. It's an apartment fridge. And so they, you just kind of, you get what they give you. Um, yeah. And it's, I don't remember if it's been replaced. I think it must've been replaced at least once since I've been here. I know the stove has, um, but yeah, like that kind of thing. Uh, I do, I've noticed that some things go go spoiled faster. Um, I freeze a lot of stuff. That's like, you know, I I buy the meat, like I'll buy six or eight chicken breasts and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll leave two in the fridge for, for dinner, but then I'll freeze the rest. Uh, the tricky part is usually just, i get busy and i forget to take things out that's normally where my <laughs> my <laughs> dinner plans have to change dramatically because i'm taking the chicken out at dinner time for tomorrow's dinner but i didn't think about what today's dinner was going to be so like oh it's mm. a tuna wrap or uh oh, breakfast for dinner uh scramble eggs you know like that kind of stuff happens a, f- a fair bit yeah you have cravings
1: for something like uh, i'm really in the mood for this instead and then yeah. that other food that you had prepared just kind of sits by the way yeah i got
0: i got pizza on the weekend as a as a just a treat because i was busy uh and i um i just really had a hankering for pizza and i've been craving it all week long and it was really (laughs) good i I, alexander's pizza up the road for me i was actually i it was a little bit longer of a walk than i than i would normally do for pickup but uh to save myself the hassle of on a saturday night waiting for whatever driver to deliver my pizza last on their route where it's cold or it just takes like an hour um because it's a 10 minute walk like i can literally call them up order it for pickup and leave uh and by the time i'm like you know changing getting shoes on and getting up there it's about 15 minutes and it's either all ready or darn near ready and then i can just Mm. walk home with it now it gets a little bit cold coming home 10 minutes outside uh rather than being in a car but it could go into a car for delivery and then not see me for a half an hour or more as the delivery driver is driving around delivering multiple pizzas right so i just yeah um, i decided to go go that route um and uh and it was it was good pizza i <laughs> talk about <laughs> talk about treats it's a large pizza eight pieces i ate five which is more than half the pizza in one in one sitting now it was over the course of the evening um i don't remember what i was watching it must have been something non you know inconsequential because i'm not talking about it tonight you know or today on on the show um speaking of though we might as well jump into what we have been uh looking at yes and uh, we'll start with a short but sweet trailer for Lightyear, which is the next pixar film Coming out summer 2022, and uh, as it suggests, it is uh, based on not the toy Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story, but the character Buzz Lightyear that the toy is based on. And so, which is a
1: really interesting premise.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a really cool uh, idea. Uh, Buzz uh, is voiced by Chris Evans, and Mm. so good actor, good voice, really you know good hero voice, like good lead. Uh, and it looks really cool. Like it looks, uh, has some Wally vibes going on, has some Star Wars vibes going on it. Uh, the stuff that they can do now with like sci-fi looking stuff in Disney Pixar films, um, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, and Ralph yeah. Breaks the Internet comes to mind. as like technology that they can display and, and how good they can make things look um because like the blast off and the dust and all this kind of stuff from this trailer it just looks like a lot of fun
1: it does and it, it, they, they also play it out as though it's a very serious sci-fi in a way which I, I think is is hilarious um but then there's still a moment when he just kind of falls to the floor and it's like no there's going to be the the quippy fun pixar stuff that we know pixar is fantastic at mm-hmm. and uh, sidekick we, we, we
0: characters just... cute characters yeah um, yeah yeah and-
1: and and also, I feel like it's going to be quite an emotionally lifting film, even when they just show him seeing the traditional spacesuit that he's known for, the Star Command spacesuit.
0: Right. Being yeah. Thing, the the, the green reveal. and white suit that he has. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like he, he doesn't start out in that. It's obviously something that he ends up moving towards and, and wearing. But there's just there's so much lore that they've built with the whole star Command universe that the toy is supposed to be based on mm. it's really just neat that they're diving full in on what does this law actually look like you know almost kind of like what the movie would be watching it you know and then kind of going i want that toy
0: yeah yeah no it, it uh, looks it looks really good uh i'm yeah. i am on i'm on board pardon the pun
1: you and me both
0: yeah uh and i don't have a lot to say about this next thing because i've only watched part of the first episode but so far so Mm. good Uh, i started watching the letter for the king on netflix it was recommended for to me uh i recognized the name uh and uh i just kind of gave up on the long search for something to watch on netflix as my food was getting cold and said sure whatever we'll watch this uh (laughs) And uh, a couple of things hit you right away. Uh, It is very well shot and it feels like it has a pretty decent budget. Uh, Definitely has Lord of the Rings vibes. I believe it's shot in Australia. I didn't look this up before the show, but um, it stars, or at least in the first episode, uh, David Wenham, uh, who was Faramir in Lord of the Rings, um, features heavily. And so it makes me think that it might be, it might be Australian uh, shot, Uh, Mm. but it is really cool in that it has like a it's medieval vibes uh it's a made up fantasy world of two northern kingdoms that are have been at war with a southern kingdom forever and there's a prophecy that's being fulfilled uh the brother of the uh, one of the northern princes is basically down south wreaking havoc and it's revealed that he's got some sort of mystic powers um and he's fulfilling some prophecy and meanwhile, back home, there's a lot of like peace and politics happening. And you get the idea that this guy's hunger for power is going to turn his conquering of the southern kingdom and the end of the war uh, into something entirely different, um, that he might be kind of like a dictator or something like that. Um, and he sends letters. Out to start some sort of political shift and that hence gives you the name the letter for the king so it's meant to go to like the seven kings i guess in the world i'm really not familiar like i'm barely scraping the surface on on the series but yeah,
1: I, I've, I've not even heard of it but i'm just having a look at some of the screen captures for it and like the production value looks really good
0: it's beautiful like there are some shots like i'm pretty sure one of the shots was like straight out of um rohan like it looks like rohan should have been there on the hilltop you know (laughs) uh really really cool stuff it's and and well acted like there's it's it's a youth story i did a little bit of digging so the letter for the king is a book by dutch author uh, i want to say Tonka draught is is the name of the author i'm hoping i'm pronouncing that right uh it's from 1962 uh and has had a number of accolades including one of the best youth books of the latter half of that century so You know, it's got some legs. Uh, The thing that caught me and why I thought "Mm, this might be a good series is because the Netflix tag for it was like based on a novel that has been translated into 25 different languages. And you're like, okay, if a novel has been translated that much, then obviously it's got some legs to it. Right. I didn't realize it was people
1: around the world who want to read it. Exactly. I didn't realize it
0: was a youth (laughs) novel, though. Like it's it's along the lines of like Harry Potter and like it's aimed at that age range. So the main oh. character in the, in the story right away that you realize is uh, this young boy, not Tristan. What's his name? Turi, T-I-U-R-I, uh, played by, by Amir Wilson. Also, decent actor. Um, I've, I, he's been in it for a half an hour. So like, you know, it is what it is. And he's playing the, <laughs> he's a falconer and he's, he's um, trying to earn a place to be a knight. And in order to do that, you have to fight other people your age, around 14, Um, and prove yourself worthy of becoming a knight in in these games that are happening in the first episode and um, He's up against a bunch of other kids his age from all walks of life and culture, which is really cool Um, there is uh, a very strong female character Uh, She's also um, of Asian descent. There is um, some Bigger characters, smaller characters, like quick characters, like the big brutes. Like it has all the kind of like medieval kind of group cast stereotypes. And um, he is smaller and weaker, but I, I get the impression that he will then discover... His use and/or power and/or special place in the world, hence, like the you know coming of age story that most of these novels kind of go for. So anyway, it it's good so far. Um, I'm hoping Netflix keeps it going. I mean, season one was completed in 2020. There hasn't been any news that I could see of season two, but we also have the pandemic going on. So mm. whether or not that just delayed the kind of production that they were hoping to continue uh i would i would imagine that they probably had plans for season two and then they're like "Mm, on this scale we might have to wait a little while um for that to happen but uh, but yeah anyway uh, i liked it so far and and it uh i'm definitely intrigued and i'm digging the the world now these youth series however sometimes don't hold up very long so i'll i'll see if i'm still watching three or four episodes from now uh because the moment that this prince in the south with the powers took his um helmet off prince um uh, viridian the names are also kind of contrived because it's an older book um when he took his helmet off it's just like okay it was like cw casting like this guy is like a warlord <laughs> you know and he takes right. off this and you're just like wow that is one heck of a jaw <laughs> you know and <laughs> and a hair and and this like surfer hairdo he's not so medieval, but okay, you know, I'll bite. Whereas the other characters so far were like, they're attractive, but they're not like too attractive for their roles, you know? Um, except for like, you know, the princesses and then the kings. He's like, okay, well, that sort of makes sense, but not the warrior. The warrior should have a little bit more grizzle to them, I think. Um, anyway, so far so good. Um, but that's that's what I've been been watching. Um, the other thing that I, I've been spending a lot of time on is Satisfactory Update 5. So... Uh, I, I spoke about this on, on the show a little while ago, uh, update five came out on Tuesday this past week. So I've been streaming daily over on twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan and exploring the new update. Uh, this is in the experimental branch of the game. So they're still patching it. They're hoping to get it more stable and bring it to the early access version later on uh, in November. So... I have two saves going on in the game. I have the Devastator Factory and the Metroplex Factory, both of them which are based off of Transformers. And all that is is just like it's a color palette and some art direction and just kind of it's a fun theme for me to kind of put into the factory. So I don't have to make too many decisions. Um, But what they did was they updated a number of things like the foliage and dressing overhaul of the Northern Forest on the map. There's a load of new building parts, uh, including signs, Uh, and a huge variety of shapes and customizations beams pillars there's a new building system which allows you to build up to 10 parts in a row for some pieces uh, it makes constructing large factories a lot faster i would also argue though that the level of detail you can do now is is going to um, just take as much time because now that you can you probably will take the time to detail things out and the (laughs) one of the biggest things that's changed they've introduced a system called soft clipping so previously, everything in the game had a hitbox, and two things with a hitbox couldn't really overlap. Now, a lot more things have what they call soft clearance. So, conveyor belts, walls, beams, walkways, stuff like that all has soft clearance. So, if you want to have it go through a wall, go for it. It's up to you. If it looks awful, that's on you, not on the game. Uh, some things have hard clearance. Those are things like buildings that make things like a coal plant or a constructor. You can't put another constructor inside of a constructor, but you can run a belt right through it or a pipe right through it. So it's kind of just allowing players to be a little bit more creative, um, kind of figure out what's going on. Uh, I've got some links in the show notes to some of the new building shapes that people have come up with in just a couple of days, and it's mind blowing what people can do now.
1: Is this fixing some frustrations that you may have had? Because I know that, uh when when you're building things whether it's satisfactory or minecraft there's obviously very much a perfectionist edge that you have as a creator mm. um do, do you find that this is allowing you to do a lot more stuff that previously frustrated you or you know were there kind of roadblocks where you're kind of like i wish it could do this and now it does
0: yeah everything everything in satisfactory runs in roughly eight meter by eight meter blocks or uh, 8 meter by 4 meter walls, that kind of thing. And mm. they've introduced a lot of angled pieces. You had ramps, so you could run platforms at angles, but you couldn't have any walls at an angle. So you try to put a, a roof on something that would ultimately have a gable and you'd have to leave the space empty or fill it with a ginormous foundation that looks really awkward. So everything had these like really thick walls and really strange looks to it. So now that they've added... um triangle pieces and the triangle pieces are like there's like four or five of each different texture so like it's one meter two meter four meter eight meter like there's all kinds of different stuff and so that is really cool uh the customization of the colors has changed a lot you used to have to carry around a paint gun and you could paint something by shooting it and now it's part of your build system so you can just change the color at will they kind of like, it's the kind of game that has like inflatable pocket dimensions in the game lore. So like they kind of tongue in cheek, okay. like you can just change the color of whatever you want at whim because technology, you know, like it's just, they kind of <laughs> wink, wink, you know, nudge, nudge that, you know, at the beginning. Yeah. Don't, don't think about it too much.
1: Just yeah, exa- to exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's really cool because you can create custom base colors so you don't have to paint everything. You can save colors. They have hex codes now. So from a creative standpoint, there's a lot of really cool things uh, in the game. I remember you having some frustrations about the colors and just you, I think you were actually
1: saying you wish you could just have a hex color so you could just select a specific one rather than having to, to drag that color wheel that they had.
0: So that's exactly what the issue was is that the, the color bars did not work in the same way like a Photoshop color bar would would work. That was it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And it, and it wouldn't quite save it. But now you can save presets. So like you can figure like, oh, that's Metroplex Red. I'm just going to save that. And I can always grab that from a list. Uh, nice. and also now they have hex codes. So like if you're looking at something online or like you, if some people that aren't artists can go online and say like, what's a really good color palette. And they could just like, you know, grab like, you know, uh, an Ikea living room that they like, or they can go to Pinterest and find like a really cool swatch of, of colors from a painting. And they will say, Oh, here's your highlights, you know, yellow and orange. Here's your deep blues for your contrast colors. And then everything you build is has these bright blue and bright orange contrast kind cl- contrasting colors and it makes things really easy to see the signs are really helpful because previously you could put down things like a beacon in the game and that's a marker it's meant to be like a a gps point for you to say you know go back here and find this thing later but i've been using them as signs like i'll put them in my base and say this is 600 you know iron per minute coming in and going to iron plates because i need to remember that for later now You can put signs, I mean, I'm talking signs that are either like a foot square or 20 foot square. Like you can put billboards on the side of your factories and go iron made here or, you know, or put up a picture or do whatever you want. (laughs) Uh, And so it's really cool. So for things like storing uh, stuff in bins and remembering what's in the bin, what you used to have to do was have a conveyor belt come out the front like a tongue and the the items in the bin would be on the conveyor belt and that's how you remember that's got concrete in it this other one has got plates in it this other one has got rods in it now you can just put signs across the front of them with pictures on it you don't even have to use words you can use they've basically given you the ui that they use to make the game so when you go into the build menu and it shows you uh iron ingots and copper pipes and all that kind of stuff they've given you the player the ability to put those icons on your builds (laughs) so it it becomes like super simple it's like color coding shulker boxes in minecraft you know red box redstone very easy to spot well now it's just like the big sign that has a picture of concrete on it is on the bin that has concrete in it there's no words you know you don't have to worry about it it's it's basically color coding so it sounds like they just give you free stickers yeah 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 Yeah. which also would (laughs) that would have been very on par because like even things that you carry around in the game like your weapon has like a little keychain dongle on it like it's a little wrench that Mm. kind of jingles around so like there's all those kind of little touches um but that's all the cosmetic stuff uh the other things that they've added are um like i said the new build system being able to put things at 45 degree angles which yes surprisingly you couldn't do before um also snapping to conveyor inputs and outputs Uh, as well as uh, a new vehicle system. So the the vehicles have a new system for recording paths. You don't have to record a new path for every vehicle. You can record one path. And if you want multiple vehicles on that path, you can just assign a vehicle. Do this route. You know, this is the coal route. Please do the coal route. And then also (laughs) add two more cars to the coal route because I need more coal. Like that's, you can do stuff like that now, which is just, it makes sense, right? You're playing in this sci-fi game and some stuff was just really rudimentary and labor intensive um the other thing is that they've now included collision in trains which we've always known was coming so when i was building trains in my world i was always having two tracks you know inbound and outbound so that you'd never have like a head-on collision if they did head-on collide in update four they would pass through each other they would just phase through one another nothing would happen now trains will actually collide and smash and fall over the place i've not had a chance to play with it yet because the my update uh, five World doesn't have trains yet. I've unlocked it, but I haven't had a chance to build any. So that's happening later this week. Um, but they now have train signals. So much like in real life, you can have two train tracks. And if they cross or if there's an intersection, then when one train is going through the intersection, another train is told to stop, wait for that train to pass through and then continue on. And it just, oh. it's just it's a big boy version of Lego trains. Like it's just it's yeah. really fun to watch. Will you be using this new feature for good or for evil? So not much happens when the trains collide. It's not like oh, a big mess a happens. They kind of fall over the track, and then you get to go re- and you get to go put them back on the rail. But they made it super super simple. It's not the game doesn't really do a lot to punish the player. Like if you die. Oh. All of your stuff is just put into a box and you go back and get it unless you fall off the edge of the world. That's the only time you'll lose everything in your inventory. Unlike in Minecraft, where like if you don't get back there in time or if you fall in lava, your stuff is gone. There's a bit of a mm. I really have to not die in Minecraft, whereas with with um satisfactory, it's really it's just more of a pain in the butt than it is anything else
1: falling off the side of the world just kind of sounds like a a you problem anyway (laughs) just kind of like if you were stupid enough to just fall off the side of the world yeah and maybe you don't deserve your stuff (laughs) yeah
0: well there you know there is some clipping and issues and stuff like that it is an early access game but it's a very well done early access game
1: and you said that like this is like a an update that's not really in the main thing so is this like a separate update just for now
0: a kind of like a minecraft snapshot Correct. Yeah. So what they do is they have an experimental branch and an early access branch. And the reason that they use the experimental is because the game has become so popular in early access that people have big factories and things that will be messed up, potentially like corrupting save files and stuff like that. So Hmm. they put out the updates when they feel it's ready in the experimental branch to give players a ton of time to play around with it, point out bugs, stress test it. They've added servers, dedicated servers for multiplayer in this update so people can test those out. So they have all that kind of information that they then apply to and then make changes. And sometimes it could be just like, not necessarily like this is a bug, please fix it. More like, hey, you know those doors that you added? They're, they're a little bit small or they don't, they, don't op- they don't open soon enough. Like for example, it's got doors yeah. like Star Trek where like you walk up to it and they kind of, you know, they kind of open up. Nice. Yeah, but you have to be so close to it that you barely see it, right? It's, right. it's uh, so it, the sensor needs to open sooner so that you can see it open before you walk through it rather than being like so close to the door that you can't actually see the animation. So there's stuff like that that I think they might tweak over, over time. So that's why they have it on the experimental branch. And I played on the Epic Game store. Uh, you can download it on Steam as well. It's on sale for twenty percent off right now until November first for people you know wanting to try to get into it. Um, and uh, it's it's one of those things that uh, I think it's only thirty five Canadian to start with. So it's around thirty bucks right now. and uh, it's 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 one of those creative games. Like you kind of have to enjoy the problem solving, you know, creative building games like, um, sim cities and city skylines, Minecraft to an extent, um, that mm. kind of stuff. I would say that's kind of where, where it is. The train thing has really got me intrigued. I'd love to build out the train network on my main save, which I've got something crazy, like 500 hours in, um, over the course of several years. Um, because the trains just look so cool. The new build parts really kind of give you a lot of freedom. Uh, I'll have links in the show notes to a couple of images, uh, made by Reddit users, Uh, of the kind of things that you can do now. Um, Satisfactory uh, and uh, Coffee Stained Studios did put out a patch notes video. Um, And I would say one of the only criticisms I have of the update is how much I dislike the video. Uh, It's 20 minutes long with 10 minutes of content. The other 10 minutes is a bunch of golf shenanigans and jokes that the devs thought was funny and worthwhile littered with lots of adult language that is unnecessary it just feels really unprofessional Mm. despite the fact how good the devs are at the game and and communicating with the community they have streams every tuesdays where they do q and a's and and showcase stuff so i i don't want to say that it's the, the dev team is is not good but the choice that they made for this trailer is is not what they've done before and it really didn't fly with me. So I'll point people towards uh, I am Kibitz, who is one of my favorite satisfactory streamers. Uh, he has a YouTube channel and he did like a 20, 30 minute video of just him in game showing off all the new stuff. And he's nerding out over it because he's really excited. So it's, it kind of gives you a really good idea of someone that knows the game very, very well, seeing the new parts and not just announcing the new part, but also explaining why it's good. Like wh- what is it going to do for him? uh, and, and, and how it's going to affect things going forward. Um, people haven't had a lot of time to mess with trains because it's really complicated. So look for that in the next few weeks, but I I'm just, this is where I am. Like I've, I've been having, like I said, that Netflix struggle where I just can't find something to watch. So ultimately after my dinner is over after whatever 20 minute YouTube video that I'm watching, I'm back in the studio, um uh, messing around with satisfactory in between streams trying to learn about the parts, trying to figure out what I can communicate to my stream viewers on Twitch about what I've learned and some new ideas. And it really is opening up a lot. Like some of the things in the game are square and you can paint them. And that means you could do pixel art if you wanted to in, in satisfactory with the pixels being like one meter by one meter or two meter by two meter blocks. Like it's, it's, it's really interesting what, what they're doing. So that's it for me on kind of like what I've been up to from a a nerdy side of things. Uh, What have you been interested in this last little while?
1: Most recently, uh, Star Trek Prodigy, which launched today. So I watched that first thing this morning. And because it's launched today, I'm not really going to go into spoilers because I don't think that would be fair on anyone. Um, But I thought it was a fantastic pilot. It's definitely a show that's for all ages, unlike Lower Decks, which is definitely a lot more mature-themed and certainly a lot more accessible for a new generation of of Star Trek fans. So if you like Star Trek, if you have uh, kids and you want to get them in, I I think this is probably the perfect show for it, which is why it was made. It was uh, a collaboration with uh, Nickelodeon. almost said Netflix then. (laughs) Uh, Nickelodeon Uh, uh, behind it. There's... It's a very colorful show, as you would probably expect from something like that. And it's definitely in line with the kind of animation and aesthetic that's popular uh, with a lot of young people right now, uh, especially even when you take shows like Star Trek, uh, Star, uh, like Star Wars, The Clone Wars, or Star Wars Rebels. It's that kind of vibe to it which I think it does make it a little bit more accessible. And that's going to add some familiarity to a lot of kids. Whereas for people like myself who are, you know, been watching Star Trek for years, the familiarity comes from things like having the ship and having the music, which it does have that very Star Trek undertone to the score, which I really liked. And we've also got, and we we know this from all the promotional material, that there's a reappearance of Captain Janeway, which will also give quite a a, a bit of familiarity
0: uh, to it. So I'm I'm looking at the characters, and they've got some really cool, unique designs. Like, yeah, with the exception of the blue guy with the white mohawk, everybody else looks pretty unique.
1: Yeah, it's it's a wonderful mix of characters. Um, I, I love how they introduce them. They do introduce them one at a time, and they're, they're characters that I'm I'm actually really invested in already just from the pilot. I I, I think that uh, especially when you've got them mostly as very young ages,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it, it was always it, it was always going to be a kind of like am I gonna be into this? But no, I I think I think they're just absolutely wonderful. Uh, there's definitely as well with the main villain in this pilot. Uh, a bit of a charles dickens fagan vibe from him okay uh, especially with uh, a group that are called the unwanted and uh i won't really go any more into that but there's there's definitely that kind of thing going on and i think it's going to be interesting to see how that continues um and we we do also get on top of all these new design characters the the, the blob looking character as well by the way is hilarious that's by far my favorite and i really want to see more of him um But uh, there are some other familiar species. So we get a return of the Kazon. There is a Kazon in this. So we know it's set in the Delta Quadrant. If there's a Kazon there, then it at least gives us some idea as to whereabouts, because it must be at least on the edge of Kazon space. And there's also a Medusan. And that is a species that we saw in the original series. It was... A creature that was kind of held in a box because if anybody looked at it, it was supposed to be so hideously ugly that it would drive people mad. They would go insane. So this woman who's blind comes aboard to escort this ambassador and everybody, like Spock has to wear this kind of red visor to at least reduce the effects for him, but for humans they just would not be able to see it. So it's interesting having a medusan as part of the uh, the roster there as well I, it's just gonna be neat to see what they do with that mm-hmm. especially as it's not a not an easy species to really focus with when it's one that you can't really see without going mad so
0: yeah it'd be interesting i yeah. i won't mention the voice actors because i don't want to spoil anything for people uh i'm just mm-hmm. looking at it quickly and say like if they've got some villains then they've got some well-known villain voice actors that i think will really sell (laughs) sell the Mm -hmm. bad guys uh in in the series and i love the way it looks like i'm just looking at images on on google but like the the rendering and the actual um i mean i'll reserve full judgment until i see it animated but um the the character designs and the rendering like it looks like you said bright and colorful but also like futuristic and spacey and and um in animation grittiness to it yes there is a little bit of grittiness to it
1: yeah a bit like in Lightyear. there's actually a very similar Mm -hmm. kind of grittiness Mm -hmm. in in that
0: and and something that you have the freedom to do in uh in animation that they don't in the star trek tv show is that aliens are not just a human with a different prosthetic on their face uh like <laughs> yes. it's it's not just an actor in a suit like what like like you said there's a blob character that looks to be it's about three and four feet tall there's a huge rock crystal looking character that's like mm. much taller than everybody else and three times as wide there's a robot that has like a very high waist like it's some really cool stuff that kind of allows them to do character design and, and the strengths of animation whereas um you're a little bit hamstrung for that kind of stuff in in um in a tv series usually because of budgets um i think i think back to a, a a good film example would be the droid in rogue one right where it's yeah it's voiced and then animated into the scenes because they couldn't put a person in it for it to have those kind of proportions like that that i think is is the strength here
1: definitely especially for a series like like you say for like for a film that's one thing to have a, a long ongoing series would just be impossible really for to sustain that on a kind of
0: tv budget anything else going on in the the small screen or the or the big screens
1: um i've been mostly kind of revisiting some old stuff uh so westworld is one of the the shows that i've kind of gone back to and and re-watching and that happened because i ended up selling my retro game collection because they're all games from the uk can't play them anymore and they've just been collecting dust so i traded those in a place that would actually accept UK games, and managed to get myself a PlayStation 3 with a, a, a whole roster of games as well. Some of the ones that are old favourites that I've played before, uh, but ones that I never got a chance to play. And so one of those was Red Dead Redemption. And when I was playing that, I was getting a lot of real Westworld vibes, especially when it came to disposing of uh, <laughs> different people Get you know, getting rid of a, a lot of the NPCs. And... That made me kind of want to go back and just re-watch Westworld, which still, no surprise, holds up incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And I've since learned that Red Dead Redemption was cited as being one of the inspirations behind the direction of the show. Because obviously it was a spin-off of the movie, but the way that they took the show was slightly different, and Red Dead Redemption was actually part of the inspiration behind that. And I'm, I'm definitely desperate for season four which uh thankfully returns next year
0: oh they are making a season four nice
1: they are yeah i think again pandemic has delayed things a bit mm. but uh but that is supposed to return
0: 2022 i so. tried to watch season three and it was okay but i just really didn't care about like there was a real switch in all new characters and i was already invested in and the other characters so Mm. i know it's a new story arc so like i i kind of have to give it a little bit more time i think um but i think i think the problem is that like they're in like the futuristic city and just like you've kind of seen that a thousand times over in all the sci-fi films and shows that we've watched whereas the western thing had a really cool niche to it right you're like oh yeah okay i really i really want to watch this show because it's so different um for the first two seasons Mm. um i i
1: I I kind of hope that they do return for that very reason. Mm. If, it, if it completely leaves the park, then uh, you know it kind of takes away from the bit that I love, which is why I've really enjoyed going back and, uh, and watching the first uh, couple of seasons. I'm just coming towards the end of season two again. Uh, so I'm about to head back into season three.
0: How far are you in Red Dead Redemption? I've seen some of it played. I've never played it myself, but a, a couple of friends have been raving about it. And uh, another has been talking about Red Dead Redemption 2, which I have access to via Xbox Game Pass. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've heard that the sequel
1: is supposed to be excellent. Um, I'm, I'm not that far in the first one. I've been doing various things. I've also found that it doesn't allow you to do a lot of stuff to the NPCs. Like you can't just drop them off a ledge or drop them in a river or place them on train tracks unless you start to do things like put them down nearby and then gently nudge them. (laughs) <laughs> and so i've been able to nudge them into the water and drown them after tying them up you can, you, you could because you can tie people up and uh, put them on the back of your horse and carry them and stuff um <laughs> there was one guy who a, a sheriff wanted me to capture an escaped prisoner and i could either kill the prisoner or bring it back to the sheriff so i tied him up brought him back to the sheriff and the sheriff just shoots him in the head anyway so no yeah. um but when you put them on the train tracks, it's obvious that the designers don't want you to be doing stuff like this, like m- murdering people in very bad ways. Mm-hmm. But if you do nudge them just in front of the train, the train obliterates them. It is <laughs> well, shocking. You, I can like, imagine. Like I, I was half expected there to be entrails that I'd have to pull off my hat. It was
0: it was just the the, the body just exploded. Oh, my God. It sounds yeah. more graphic than I remember.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I was I was very shocked too. That was uh, not what I was expecting uh, when I, when I saw that. I'm I'm enjoying it though. I'm 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 taking my time with it and uh, it's nice just to be able to have a go at games like this which I I never had because I never had a PlayStation 3. So, um yeah, and especially like with the Westworld vibes. That that's always been really good. The other thing that I've been looking back on though is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but the original comics by Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. There's uh, a new... Well, new to me. Uh, It it came out, I think, around 2018, I want to say. They've done three volumes so far. I think there's a fourth volume coming, and it's basically the Color Classics Collection. And they're basically releasing all of the original issues in order and in color, because the original comics were all black and white. And the new coloring is Excellent it's vibrant um i have seen some attempts at people just doing like their own coloring over the top but this is properly done and it's just giving like a whole new lease on life to them it's it's just making it a real joy to reread them but i did find um that there is a little inconsistency where the the april has her volkswagen van and that Ends up becoming the turtle van, so obviously it's green, and so in this it's coloured green. But in the first time it ever appeared, the police are chasing it, and they describe it as being blue, but they've still got it coloured green. So that was kind of a weird, like <laughs> hmm. it's obviously not blue though. I don't know why you're chasing down this uh, this blatantly green van, but uh, uh, it it kind of makes sense that they don't want to change the dialogue. But yeah, they obviously I think the colour probably came as a later decision mm-hmm. uh, later on and they have to kind of keep the consistency there. So, I mean, it's a comic, I can forgive it.
0: Yeah. 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 And plus <laughs> it's, it's something that's being revisited. Like it's not like it's a brand new comic or it's something that's coming out now. And Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's great. I, I, I've, I've sent you a, um, you know, a sort of side by side comparison of uh, three of the pages and just the, the way that they've done the coloring is just fantastic yeah they've kind of they've left
0: a lot of the original um high contrast black and white in there like they're just they're just adding the color they're not necessarily going over the inks they're kind of going underneath them and kind of like giving a little bit more uh, that's it life to it um i've never been a fan of the original comics i i don't i've never liked the turtle designs from the comics i always thought it looked more like a doodle than anything else (laughs) Um, it was
1: very, very different, that's for sure. Yeah. Later incarnations have been good. I It's the story that I, I really enjoy. I, mm-hmm. I love a lot of the additional lore and, and stuff. The movies and the 80s TV show, which I adore. I've always grown up being a massive fan of them. Um, but they were simplified versions of the origin story. And so I, I do like the extra meat that you get in the original comic. And I would say that the, the 2003 series and the the series that came after that i can't remember what year that one came out those two are probably the the two most true to the comics as well in terms of following the storyline
0: moving on into the internet minute which is brought to you by you dear listener the citadel cafe is 100 percent listener supported if you're getting value out of the show please consider putting a little bit of value back in you can become a member at patreon.com slash the citadel cafe Joining at any level will get you an invite into the member-only Discord server that includes a role lined up with your support level, and you can chat with everybody else about nerdy things, including a spoiler chat. And I know that people have been talking about Dune in there, so I haven't been avoiding it. But if you're want, if you dying to talk about Dune, this is a place to do it <laughs> safely. Uh, patron count is at 24. I just checked that the other day. That's steady on from the last episode. And our goal each month is to have at least one more person than the month before. That's only a quarter of a person a week. So depending on how hard they get hit by a train in Red Dead Redemption, we can maybe put them back together and turn them into a patron. Uh, if you would like to become patron number 25, <laughs> then visit patreon.com slash Cafe. Look both ways before you cross the tracks, people, especially if Alistair's playing, I'm telling you.
1: It'll take a, a
0: long time to piece somebody back together from that. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> on the PG side of things, uh, my pick this week <laughs> is an Instagram account called Brick Bending. I found this through the official Lego Instagram. Uh, geometric art in Lego bricks by artist Jeff Sanders. This is very cool stuff. Uh, Ranges in size from stuff that you can put on your coffee table to things that hang in galleries, including 10 point geometry in brick, a title of a piece that has 75,000 pieces uh, and looks like the scale of a Jackson Pollock painting from like the MoMA in New York. Uh, So combination of like sculpture painting installation piece because these things have to be assembled Um, very very cool stuff i would encourage people to check it out i really can't do a lot to describe it on a podcast but uh, just know that uh, if you're thinking about like what can really be achieved with lego bricks that every lego brick when you connect it has a little bit of give so if you connect enough of them together with that little bit of a twist you can actually make things like circles or more complex geometric shapes than you think think kaleidoscope don't think squares uh and go check out this site it's really really cool
1: i'm I'm looking at it and i'm just i'm looking and my initial thought is how Mm -hmm. like like fine the the circles are there but things aren't even just in a straight line like there is curves to even the whole Uh, yeah you you can't really describe it in a podcast you have to see it but that is that is mind-bending
0: yeah, so some things that I've seen are like, you know, what looks like a DNA strand, um, a lot of kinetic looking things, um, snowflake looking designs, a lot of concentric circles. Like I said, think kaleidoscope meets meets Lego and you'd have a pretty good idea. Um, that's, that's accurate. Yeah. yeah, so I'm going to be looking for more. Uh, apparently there's a YouTube channel as well. I'm going to dig into that and see if I can't see a little bit more. Uh, explanation behind the scenes, but just really, really talented. And I don't know where or how you get this many Lego bricks of the same kind, right? Like (laughs) it's because the pieces are usually uniform in color. Like it's all black and it's all black pieces that are like one brick by two studs or whatever. And you're just like, and then it's like 75,000 of them. Like you'd have to be sponsored at some point. Like I'm not sure how you would get all this stuff. But anyway, some very, very cool stuff. Uh, I highly encourage people to check it out. Uh, Where uh, can people find your pick this week, Alistair?
1: Uh, mine's from hasbro pulse there's a new ghostbusters plasma series proton pack just based on on spengler's proton pack uh, from ghostbusters it is an astonishing prop that's probably the only one that you can get at that kind of quality that's lower than uh, that's below 400 us dollars wow so it and the detail on it is incredible like there's even the back panel opens up and you can see inside like the containment unit it's it's nuts and what they've done is they've scanned the original proton pack prop that's been used in the new ghostbusters afterlife film so super accurate and i've I've had um, a doctor who prop that's the sonic screwdriver that's been scanned from the original prop and so when you get that quality i i'm all on board for it Uh, it's a crowdfunded project though so they're they're not available yet the crowdfunding ends in december uh with a a release date planned for early 2023 but even if you don't end up getting in on this and i wish i was made of money so that i could because this just looks incredible um I love the commercial that they've made for this. They've done a fantastic, hilarious parody of the in-movie TV spot that uh, that the three original (laughs) Ghostbusters did. (laughs) They're they're kind of like, we're ready to believe you, that whole bit. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's how they've decided to advertise this it's uh, it's great so definitely worth watching even just for just for, for, that. for that clip nice yeah, yeah
0: we'll, cl- we'll include the the clip in in the show notes as well this week i i've seen a lot of this happening uh because of obviously with um the new ghostbusters film coming out next month yeah. i think uh so is it i'm surprised it wasn't coming out for halloween honestly um but maybe just pandemic schedules and whatever um mm. but uh i i'm looking forward to it it looks really good i've seen the trailers same and uh I, I would expect that next year, provided that um, pandemic restrictions roll back as they um, are planning to, that uh, convention goers are going to see a lot more Ghostbusters costumes. And some of the prop makers that I'll see on TikTok, you're starting to see some like, you know, proton pack plans and kind of like looking at Ghostbuster stuff and thinking about how you would do this kind of thing. And uh, it's, it's in the hands of the right artists, like you can, people can come up with some very, very cool things.
1: This one as well doesn't come with the rack that traditionally it's mounted to, but it looks like they've got screw holes. So I think that's just to probably hit that price point. But again, it just means that you'll probably see people getting these and modding them Mm -hmm. to make them even better. And it's, you know, it's just incredible what some people can do with these kind of props.
0: I've always thought it was neat um, now with electronics and and how small you can have like LEDs and all kinds of stuff, like being able to customize this plus like having anything on your costume that could make sound effects so in the same way that lightsabers that you buy the fancy prop lightsabers that make really cool lightsaber sound effects like having that kind of very iconic hum power up (laughs) you know from a from a from a proton pack is just that that kind of thing to walk into a cosplay floor and just kind of like you know turn on turn on your power pack that would be really fun
1: They, they have um two modes so they have the 1984 movie sounds and they've got the one from the new movie as well So they actually have them as two different modes for it as well, which I I don't know what the new sounds are like. So that's going to be interesting to see how, how those have changed.
0: Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can find links to some of the things that Alistair and I talked about this week at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email the show at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, and tell a friend. Uh, one of the best ways to grow the podcast is to just spread the word. So if you think that people might like some nerdy stuff, then point them our way. And while you're out there, another great way is to actually leave a review on the iTunes store. Even if you don't listen on iTunes, log in, leave a review, make a rating, and then peace out and listen however you want. Uh, but it does a lot to put our podcast in the earholes of potential new listeners that are just looking for stuff randomly online. Because a lot of podcaster apps will pull from the iTunes listings my name is joel duggan you can find everything i am doing online including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com you can check out my other podcast all about minecraft at the lots of news going on in the next couple of weeks as we are gearing up for the release of 118 that is minecraft the caves and cliffs update part two today you can go to twitch.tv joelduggan where i'm going to be playing a lot of satisfactory as well as streaming some minecraft on the weekends alistair where can people find you online
1: Oh, you can find me on both Twitter and Twitch as Alistair McFly and discover everything else I'm involved with over at AlistairMcFly.com. And that, of course, includes Long Range Sensors, my retrospective podcast series all about Star Trek, which you can find over at LongRangeSensors.com and, of course, on all the usual podcasting apps.
0: You've been listening to The Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.